Thanks for tuning in to Dream City Omaha, where we're all about helping each other discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. We hope this message impacts your life, and be sure to like and subscribe for more. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Are you awake? Are you all awake? Do you need coffee? <laughs> yes. Let me say yes. If you need coffee, we have coffee in the back. I would encourage you to go out, get your coffee, run back in here. Uh, how many of you guys are excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Good, good. I, I, want you, I want you to be excited. I want you to be energetic. I want you to, uh, to, to come with a heart of anticipation and, and expectation as we, uh, as we get into God's Word and see what God would have uh, for us today. A couple things. First, though, last Sunday was kickoff Sunday. Had a lot of fun with that. Everyone was in there, their team colors. And just want to say thank you to, to the many of you that came to, to help set up and decorate out in the, the lobby. That was amazing. Uh, those of you that hung around afterwards and, and had some hot dogs and watched some football and played some games, that was a lot of fun. Uh, but, but most importantly, to those of you who decided that you were going to get into the game, that took the, the, the word of the Lord and, uh, and responded to it, there were, there were many of you who stepped up to the plate in, uh, in that way last week and so I want to say thank you for that. Uh, also, October, many of you will, will know that October is, is Pastor's Appreciation Month. Um, and, and every year around this time of the year at Dream City, we will receive a special offering uh, to bless the pastors at Dream City. And so just want to let you know so that you can be planning for that next week, we'll re we will be receiving a special pastor's appreciation offering. Um, and so just want to, to drop, that, uh, drop that here for you and, and put that on your radar as well. Today we're beginning a new series entitled Refresh. Somebody say refresh. 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 What does it mean to refresh? To refresh means to provide new vigor and energy by rest, food, or other means. And some of you are like, you had me at rest and food. To provide new vigor, to re-energize, to make something fresh again. I, I think that, that this is a, a subject, a topic that is is really for all of us right now. I feel like we are at a time where we all need to be refreshed. There are many people today, many people in the church whose hearts are hardened, who, whose soul is, is dry, who are tired and worn down, whose mind is burdened, who, who feel like they're in a dry place, and in just, are just sick and tired of being sick and tired. Like, I'm mentally exhausted, Pastor. I'm physically exhausted. I'm emotionally drained. Can anybody relate to that this morning? If you can, then this series is for you. If you know people who can relate to that, would encourage you, invite them to church with you. Share this video with them because this series, the next three weeks, you're going to want to be paying attention if you can relate to that. And I think if we were honest, we would all say, yes, we can relate to that. There are so many things going on around us, so many, so many things that are vying for our energy and our attention, so many things that, that we are, are giving ourselves to and picking up in the process that it feels like we are just being weighed down. There was a recent study done of the, the American workforce, 
They surveyed thousands of individuals, and they found that that of those who are are actively working, 54% of them say that they are currently experiencing burnout. 54% of people who are going to work day after day say, I am, I'm done. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I'm exhausted. I'm spent. I got nothing in my tank. I'm running on empty. 54%, more than half of us say, yes, that's me. And it's not just a generational thing. It's not just those that, that have been doing it for 40 years and are getting ready to retire, but aren't just there yet. And they're just like, just show me the door. It's not, it's not just those individuals, because in a different survey, 70% of 20 to 40-year-olds say that they recognize signs and symptoms of burnout in their lives. 70%. Seven out of 10, 20 to 40-year-olds, when, when shown, here's what burnout looks like, can say, yep, I recognize at least one of those things in my life. So many of us are just tired. And listen, I get it. It's been, it's been a ride. It's been rough. It's been exhausting. It's, it's, it's taken a lot of us, but there is refreshing to be found today. And, and I want to encourage you with that. Like as hard as it is and as, as heavy as it is, there, there is refreshing to be found and there is promise of refreshing at God's word. But we have to understand that, that this problem goes, goes so much further than just our lives at work because it's, it's happening in the church as well. It's not just workers who are burnt out. It's Christians who are burnt out. It's followers of Jesus that are weighed down. Before COVID, we were getting to this point. Like COVID only accelerated what we were already beginning to see. In fact, before COVID, those that study the church and, and church health had to had to, to, to differentiate between those who attend church, because everybody says they're Christian. <laughs> they had to differentiate between those who attend church and those who don't attend church. Well, decades ago, if you attended church, it means you attended church. You were there week in, week out, not just on Sunday mornings, but that meant Sunday night service. That meant Wednesday prayer service. That meant small group. That meant, that meant five times a week the church doors were open and you were there. That's what church attendance used to be. Pre-COVID, they said, we have to determine what church attendance means. And, and those who study the church said that, that if somebody attends church, this is how we define active engagement in the body of Christ. If somebody attends church once a month, they're a regular attender. And that was pre-COVID. What do you think that looks like now? That was before everything we've experienced in the last two years. Once a month. Yeah, I go to church. That's my home. That's my home church. <laughs> I had to, to, to laugh one time. I was, I was out and, and there was somebody, I, I was at a grocery store and they came up to me and they're like, hey, Pastor John, how you doing? And, and listen, if, if you see me out, introduce yourself. Like, say hello, I'll stop, I'll talk to you. That, that, I welcome that. 
And so they left the grocery like, hey, Pastor John, how's it going? Awesome. How are you? Help me with your name. My name is so-and-so. Awesome. Yeah, I've been at Dream City for like five years. Very cool. That's awesome. So, so what do you think about the series we're doing now? What series are we doing now? And that's fine. Like, that's fine. Like, you know, so, so what, what, do, what do you love about Dream City? Well, like the last message that I heard you preach, and they, they began to talk about this series that we did like six months ago. But in their mind, like, this is my home. This is my church. This is where I'm plugged in and engaged. And they begin, they, they begin to study the effects of COVID on the local church. And what they have found is that, and listen, I love technology. I love streaming. I love all of that. But technology is a tool. It's not a replacement. And they've begun studying it. And what they found is that of evangelical Christians who pre-COVID were those I will attend at least once a month. I am a churchgoer, committed follower of Jesus. Evangelical Christians, how many of them have attended service digitally or virtually or online at least once in the last month? That number was 70%. 70% have said, I've attended at least once. I've watched a message at least once in the last month. How many of them have attended in person at least once in the last month? That number was 40%. And I know what you're thinking, those of you math geniuses out there like Pastor John, that's 110%, that's mathematically impossible. It's because 30% said that they've done both. So, so 30% have said, well, I've done online and I've done in person. So 70% of evangelical Christians have attended online once in the last month, at least once. 40% have attended in person at least once in the last month. Now, those numbers, I'm, I'm fine with those numbers. Those numbers aren't concerning to me. That's, 100, that's absolutely what I expect. What is the church attendance in person at right now? We're probably 45% of what we were pre-COVID. But what number got to me and really like, ooh, was the fact that 25% of evangelical Christians said, I haven't done either in the last month. I haven't watched online and I haven't attended in person. I'm just done. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I'm burnt out. I need to be refreshed. And there is refreshing to be found today in God's word. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says, come unto me, all of you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens. Does anybody feel like you're carrying a heavy burden today? Anybody's mind just like, ugh, today? Anybody just like you woke up this morning or you'll wake up tomorrow morning for work just like, I wish I didn't have to go to work tomorrow. I wish I didn't have to come to church today. I wish I didn't have, that might be you. Those of you that are carrying heavy burdens and I, Jesus says, I will give you rest. The only rest to be found is in him. You need to understand that. You will never be able to give yourself rest. Your friends won't give you rest. Social media won't give you rest. Your vacation, have you ever gone on a vacation to get rest and then came back more tired than when you went on vacation? Your vacation will not give you rest. Your boss will not give you rest. Your job will not give you rest. He says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart. You will find God help us today. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden that I give you 
is light. Lord, I pray for every one of us today as we examine your word, as we study your word. May your word come alive to us. May we be that good soil. I pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you, would you till up that, that, that hard ground in our hearts that as your word goes forth, as the seed is planted, that we would be that good soil, that it would produce fruit in our lives. God, we recognize the burdens that we are carrying today. Many of us have, have come into this place or are watching online, feeling the weight on our shoulders and just worn down and worn out and exhausted. God, I pray that you would bring refreshing today. May we stop looking for rest in everything else, but God, may we find rest in your presence and would you restore our souls? Would you, would you bring new energy and would you bring new vigor? Would you encourage us by your word and by your presence today. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 Several years ago, but before we started the church, my brother came to me and my dad and he said, hey, I've got an idea. And this was about 12 years ago. It was the summer before we started the church. My brother Jacob came and he says, hey, I got a great idea. We should, we should go backwoods camping now, if you don't know what backwoods camping is or you've never gone backwoods camping, my encouragement to you is don't. <laughs> and for real, because I've seen, I've seen the way some of you guys camp. Listen, that ain't camping. With your RVs and your trailers and like you go out there and you have a bathroom, you're not camping. If you're able to take a shower at the end of every day, you're not camping. You've got AC and heat and stoves and beds that's not camping to me. But nevertheless, he said, let's go backwards camping. I was like, okay, well, what does that mean? He says, well, we're going to drive to Colorado and, and we're going to hike in. We're going to take everything that we need. We're going to take into the campsite. I was like, well, what do you mean take into the campsite? Like into the ranger's office? He's like, no, we have to carry it with us. Okay, how far are we carrying said supplies? He's like, well, from the parking lot to the campsite that I've picked out is nine miles, and there's a 4,000-foot elevation gain, but I think over nine miles, we'll be okay. <laughs> now, listen, I'm, I'm no mountaineer. Like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what that means, that those numbers mean nothing to me. I know that the nearest Chipotle from my house is like five miles, so I'm like, if I can walk to Chipotle and back, I could probably do this. And so, so he says, we're going we're gonna to hike in nine miles and, and we're going we're gonna to take everything that we need with us. We're going to take our backpacks and, 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 and sleeping bags and tents and, and all the food that we need. Listen, if you've never done this, again, don't, but this was our first time and we took food for like three weeks. We were planning on staying there for three days. We had canned goods. We had dried goods. We had like propane tanks to cook our food. Like, listen, we had these heavy packs on our back, 50 pounds. I remember this, this, is, this is what we looked like when we went. Go ahead and put that the picture. That's me on the right. That's my brother in the middle. And then Pastor Doby is over here on the left. And we had these packs on. And, and literally everything that we needed for the next three days was in these packs. We had bear canisters because you have to, like, bury your food. Otherwise, the, the bears come around. And we had fishing poles because there was a lake. And we thought, yeah, we'll catch fish. Like, no. Why would you, why would, like, all these things that we thought we needed that we didn't need, but we, we get to Colorado, we get to the, the parking lot, we start hiking up this mountain. If you've ever gone hiking, you know, like, that, that first mile is, like, nice and easy. Like, it's not, it's, not, it's not a paved road, but, you know, you're still on, like, an improved road at this point, like, big enough for a truck to drive through. Gravel. Easy. Like, oh, this is cake. 
Like, yeah, we're going to get to camp and we're going to sing, you know, songs and tell ghost stories and it's going to be fantastic. We're going to roast mallows. And then the incline started to get a little steeper. Then it got a lot steeper. We kept going and then we kept going. And then we kept going. And then we kept going and we kept going because this hike was nine miles. And we kept going and we kept going. And then we would sit down and take a break. And then we would keep going, and then we would keep going, and keep going. And, and, and we got to a point where, like, me and Jacob started looking at each other like, I'm a little worried about Dad, because this pack might weigh 50 pounds, but, but I don't know if I can carry him down this mountain if it comes to that. And he, he would walk 100 feet and then sit down on a rock, like, I need a break. And then we would get up and he would walk 100 feet and sit down like, I need a break. And Jacob looked at me. He's like, I think he's going to have a heart attack. I was like, shut up. Don't say that. We were walking up this mountain. Now, this summer, the thing about this summer is that I had spent all summer working construction and doing roofing. And I remember in, in May of that year getting to my first job site and the, the site manager was like, okay, you see those bundles of shingles down there. I want you to go down, throw one on your shoulder, bring it up this ladder, deposit it here, and then keep doing that. So I went down, I threw one on my shoulder, and I hauled it up the ladder, I put it on the roof. He said, yeah, there's 127 of them. I want you to get all of them up here. Every day that summer was, was with shingles. You know, you know how much a bundle of shingle weighs? 80 pounds every day with a bundle of shingles hauling it up a ladder by the end of the summer I was carrying two bundles of shingles and so this hike I was like I'm good if you asked me to do this hike today I'd probably die <laughs> but at the time I was in good shape and so I'm like I'm good this is this is fine let's get going we need to get to this campsite dad is struggling and so I look at him and he's got his pack on his back and I said dad give me your pack he said no I'm not going to do that. That's ridiculous. Let's go. I'm good. We'd walk 100 feet and he'd sit down. Dad, give me your pack. No, I'm not giving you my pack. Dad, give me your pack. No, another 100 feet. Dad, give me your pack. Finally, he's like, okay, take my stupid pack. So I have my pack on my back. I put his pack on my front and we started walking up that mountain. We get to the top and I dropped it and, and we, we, we were up there for three days. You know how much of that three days I remember? None of it. I don't remember camping. I don't remember fishing. I don't remember eating our three weeks worth of food. I don't remember none of it. The only thing I remember is the hike up. Why are you telling us that story, John? I'm telling you that story because like, like my dad, we are all carrying things that, that we weren't designed, we weren't created, we weren't intended to carry. And, and the weight of it is weighing us down as we're going through life. And God's like, give me, give me the weight. Just, just give me what you're carrying. Give me the weight of it all. And we're like, no, God, I got it. No, God, I can make it. No, God, I just, I just got to make it to next Sunday. And if I can just get to church next Sunday, then I know everything's going to be okay. If I can just get to my small group, then I know that everything's going to be okay. And God's like, just give me the stupid weight. No, God, I got it. This is my burden to bear. God's like, I already bared that burden. If you would just give it to me now. And we're carrying things that we weren't meant to carry. Listen, the good news that we find in Scripture and the encouraging thing today is that there is refreshing to be found. God will bring the refreshing. But here's the thing. You have to position yourself in a way to be refreshed. So many times we're like, God, refresh me. And he's like, I can't. 
because you're not positioning yourself in a way that allows me to refresh you. See, I think there are things that we are carrying that we need to get rid of. In order for us to be refreshed, we have to be willing to throw off unnecessary weight. All of those things that we're carrying from our daily lives and the world around us and people that we surround ourselves with weigh us down and God's like, get rid of it. Get rid of it. You weren't meant to carry it. Three things that we need to get rid of today. I'm going to give you three of them. First thing, we need to get rid of the weight of the unknown. The weight of the unknown. What does that mean? It means stop playing what if. What, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if I get sick? What if I lose my job? What if the shelves are never stocked again? What if gas prices continue to go up? What if this pandemic never ends? What if, 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 what if? And we spend our days playing what if, being consumed and weighed down by things that haven't even happened. What if? Jesus, look at what Jesus says. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. What's tomorrow? Tomorrow is unknown. Do you know what tomorrow holds? Do you know what next week holds? No shot. No clue. None of us do. The, the, the unknown is in tomorrow. He's saying, he's saying, don't worry about what you don't know. Tomorrow's going to have enough worries of its own. Like, like, stop living in the land of what if. We play this game, and what if this happens? What if that happens? Well, Pastor John, shouldn't we be concerned? Absolutely. Shouldn't we pay attention? Yes. But don't let your concern go to worry. There's a difference between being concerned and being worried. What's the difference? When I'm concerned, something has got my attention, I'm distressed about it, and I take responsibility in action in regards to it. That's concern. Example, I'm concerned about the economy. The, the state of things has, has caught my attention. I'm distressed about it, so I take action. What do I do? I start saving more money. I, I stop going to Starbucks every day. I stop eating out all the time. I, 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 I pull back so that I can put more money away. Why? Because I'm concerned. I'm concerned about the grocery stores. Okay, the next time you're there, buy a bag of rice and some beans and just put it off to the side because you don't know. But I'm going to take action. I'm going to take responsibility for what I can control in regards to this situation. I'm concerned about my marriage. Okay, so what do you do? You take action. Plan a date night with your wife. I'm concerned about my kids. Be intentional about relationship with them. I'm concerned about my health. Start drinking more water and get some exercise. I'm concerned. Okay, that's fine. You can be concerned. Being concerned is a good thing. You take responsibility for your part in that and act in response to it. Worry is just concern gone haywire. When I'm concerned, I'm in control, not of the situation, but of my actions. When I'm worried, I give control over to the situation. Now it has control of me. When I'm concerned, it leads me to responsibility. What can I do in response to? When I'm worried, it leads me to fear, and it paralyzes me. When I worry, all those thoughts continue to run through my head. What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? To the point where I can't see anything else that's going on around me. We spend so much time worrying 
about the unknown. You can be concerned, but don't worry. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't worry about the unknown. Don't worry about tomorrow. You know what I found in my life, and this is, this is so true, and I would encourage you this week to go and evaluate yourself. You know what I found? As I look back on the things that I've worried, not concerned, but worried about, the things that I've played what if about, the things that have dominated my thoughts and caused me to lose sleep, caused me to be anxious, caused me to be stressed, caused my blood pressure to rise, caused me to, to stay up at night playing it over and over in my head. The things that I have worried about, probably 90% of them have never even happened. It's crazy. We get so worked up about these what ifs that never even happen. So why are we giving so much energy and attention to these things? Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't, don't worry about the what if. Okay, well, well, what if I don't know what to do? Trust in him. What is my responsibility if there's no action that I can take? There's always action you can take because you can trust in him. You can seek him first and allow him to bring all these things to you. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you. So stop worrying about the unknown. Get the weight of the unknown off you. The second weight that we need to remove is the weight of the world. The weight of the world. What, is, what does that mean? It means that there's a lot going on around us. But here's the thing. There has always been a lot going on around us. And there will always be a lot going on around us. We have gotten so, so self-centered and so short-sighted as to think that things have never been as bad as they are right now. <laughs> Tell the generation that lived through two world wars that things have never been as bad as they are right now. Tell the, the Jews in Europe that things have never been as bad as they are right now in America. Tell the believers in China that the church has never been persecuted like it is right now. Tell the disciples who, who gave up their lives, each and every one of them, for the spreading of the gospel and the preaching of Jesus, that things have never been... Things have always been bad and things will always be bad. Why? Because we are fallen people living in a fallen world. But we think, we, we look around like, oh man, it's, it's never been worse. <laughs> it was worse yesterday. And it's probably going to get worse tomorrow. But the good news is that we don't have to focus on that stuff. We can be refreshed in God's presence, what we've allowed to happen is we've gotten lazy in our faith and complacent in our faith and gotten distracted in our faith to where now our focus has gone from the goodness and the faithfulness of God to the chaos and the confusion and division in our world. And when, when all we see is chaos and confusion without the faithfulness and the sure foundation that is his word, our lives begin to shake as well. And it's like, God, you better do something because I don't know what's going to happen. He's like, stop looking at the nonsense. Stop focusing on all of these things. Stop carrying the weight of the world. And you know where it happens? It happens right here. Because we are so inundated with information that we can't even begin to process. 
I was having a conversation with somebody this week and I said, I, re- I told them, I said, I remember when my family got our first cell phone. They're like, what do you, like, what do you mean? Like, I remember when, when, when we had a family cell phone. They're like, what's a family cell phone? It's like, well, a family cell phone is when there is one phone for the family and when somebody went over here, you gave the person that phone. And then if somebody went to the st- you gave that person the phone. And you would take turns on who got to, t- like, everybody didn't have their own phone. No, not everybody had their own phone. I didn't have my first cell phone until junior year of high school. I remember life before cell phones. But the crazy thing is, now there is so much information being pumped to us through this. I was, I was studying this week. Do you know how many notifications the average smart, smartphone user gets every day? 96 notifications. 96 times you will be sitting there in ding, oh look, ding, oh look, ding, oh what happened now? 96 times. Do you know how many times, you know, you know your phone tracks how many times you pick it up? You know how many times the average smart, smartphone user picks up their phone? 150 times per day. 150 times we're like, I wonder what's going on right now. And then five minutes later, I wonder if anything's changed in five minutes. <laughs> and then 10 minutes later, I wonder if anything's changed now. Nothing's changed. It's all the same. But we are so connected to this and we are given so much information that we can't even process it and it's weighing us down. You know what the crazy thing is? Like I remember being a kid and the most news I heard about was things that were happening in our city. Like I grew up in Albuquerque and so I remember like, well, we're building this bridge and so that's what they talked about on the news. And here's what's going on over here. And that's what they talked about on the news. I remember when, when, when the news that you took in only was what related to you. Now the crazy thing is we are getting information in bad news, a deluge of bad news each and every day when we pick up our phone or we turn on our TV and it's not even stuff that's happening in our city or our state or even our country. We we know the things that they're dealing with over in Australia right now. It's like, oh man, those poor Australians. Those poor Canadians. Pray Pray for Canada. Pray for this country. Pray for that country. Look at all the things that are happening all over the, like, And we wonder why we're burned out and exhausted and mentally drained and just tired and depressed all the time because all we're taking in is the bad news from everywhere across the globe. Turn your notifications off. Put your phone down. I checked myself because I wanted to see if I was average. How many times do I pick up my phone a day? 106 times. I'm below average. But even in that, like, 106 times, just, just to see. I checked my wife's phone 45 times. Like, how is that even possible? No wonder she never texts me back. <laughs> but she's, she's at such peace. She has so much joy. She, she's not carrying the weight of every Australian right now. 
She, she, she doesn't have the weight of the, the, the world on her shoulders like so many of us do. And, and, and yet, this is, like, this is what we give ourselves to. Our attention to, Paul writes to the Colossian church in Colossians chapter 3. Look at, what, look at what Paul says. He says, since you've been raised to new life with Christ. How many of you guys have new life in Christ? You've been raised to new life. You've been adopted into his family. Your, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Awesome. So, so then set your sights on the realities of heaven which is where Christ sits in the place of honor, God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. If I could just, if I could just get to that point, <laughs> if I could just get all of us to that point where, where we think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Why? Because you died to this life. You, you're dead to this. This is not my home. I am in the world. I am not of the world, but this is, this is not my home. I'm just a traveler passing through. My home is with him. My life is in him. This isn't my life. This life that I now live is not my life, but it's Christ living in me. So why am I so weighed down by the things that are happening around me? Again, I'm not saying don't pay attention. I'm not saying don't be concerned, but don't allow it to, don't, don't, don't decide to pick up everything and put it on your shoulders. Why? Well, I have to know what's going on. I have to be informed. Okay, be informed. But if you want to be informed, here's what I would tell you to do. If you want to be informed, read the news. Don't watch it. When you read the news, what do you get? I get information. And this has been such a breakdown in our society. But when I read the news, I get the information. And with the information, I think about the information. When I think about the information, I come to a conclusion about the information through rational thought that I have done myself. But when I watch the news, I'm not being told what's going on anymore. I'm being told somebody's opinion of what's going on. And so what we call news is really the opinions of others portrayed as news. So they're not telling us what's happening. They're telling us what to believe about what's happening. And so we don't have the ability to think critically anymore. And it's like when presented with information, we have no ability to come to a conclusion about the information. Don't, I don't want to think about it. Just tell me what to think, sir. You want to you keep up with the news? Fine, read it. Find an unbiased source and read it. Subscribe to the newspaper. I don't know, but stop watching it. Why? Because there's such a deluge of negativity and bad information, and we just pick it up, and we put it on, and we pick it up, and we put it on, and we are carrying this weight everywhere we go, and it's like, God, I need you to refresh me, and he's like, I need you to be in a position to be refreshed. The weight of the unknown, the weight of the world. And then finally, and I would argue most importantly, the, the third weight that we need to get rid of is the weight of our sin. The weight of our sin. Listen, your bitterness will hold you back. Your bitterness will keep you in a dry place. Your unforgiveness will keep you in that rut that you've been stuck in. That offense that you picked up is going to keep you feeling dry and barren and empty and wondering if there's more to life than this and just struggling to get through each and every day saying, God, why do I feel this way? It's because of the sin that you are harboring in your heart and in your life. It's the weight of the sin. It's the weight of that thing. Listen, you weren't meant to carry that. The shame that you are feeling from your sin, you are not meant to carry. Give it to him. Why? Because he already bore your sin. The weight of my sin is death. Jesus 
became sin. He put on my sin on the cross. So the weight that I choose to pick up in my sin and in my shame is a weight that he already bore on the cross. Why are we carrying it? Give it to him. Repent. Get rid of those things in your heart. Get rid of those things in your life, those, those sinful thought patterns and those sinful, sinful behavior patterns, those sinful habits that we slip into and fall into and we, we kind of keep hidden. You think it's not affecting you. It's weighing you down every day, sir. You think nobody knows about it. It's, it's, it's the weight that you feel in your marriage. Why? Because of those things that we... We try and suppress and we try and keep down. And if nobody knows, then it's not going to affect anybody. Meanwhile, you are being buried under the weight of it. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us to, to throw off every weight that slows us down, right? Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. You can't run with endurance you've got a weight on you, what is that weight? It's, it's a sin that slows us down. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are walking into the temple to pray one afternoon. And there was a man who his friends had placed him by the gate every day so that he could beg for, for money. He was a lame man, lame since birth, the Bible tells us. Peter and John are walking into church. And everybody who walked into the temple that day had walked past this man and and as they're approaching, the man says, you know, do you have any silver? Do you have any gold? He's asking for money. And Peter says, look at me. Look, right here. Look at me. The man looks up at him. He says, silver and gold I don't have. I don't, I don't have any money. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. And the man gets up and he walks. And he turns his, his walking into running and his running into jumping and his jumping into dancing. Now everybody who walked in past that man are taking notice. Like, wasn't that the man that was begging for money at the gate when we came in this morning? Yeah, that was him. Well, how is he, how is he up dancing now? So there's this huge commotion. Paul says Peter recognizes his opportunity and begins to preach. And he's like, listen, we didn't heal this guy. There's, there's nothing in us that has caused this man to be healed. It's the power of Jesus. And he goes, the same Jesus y'all crucified. The same Jesus who Pilate said couldn't find fault, but you still wanted him dead. The same Jesus who, when given the choice between him and a murderer, you chose Barabbas. That Jesus, you remember that Jesus? That Jesus. That Jesus, the power that is in him is now in us. That power has healed this man. And then he gets to, to verse 19. Look at what he says in verse 19. He's, he's talking to these people. He says, now repent. Repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. How many are you thankful that God's still in the business of wiping away our sins? Right? Like if we're faithful, if we would confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us. The weight that you are carrying because of the sin in your life is a weight that you don't need to be weighed down by. But if you would just confess and repent, what is repentance? It's a change of mind that leads to a change in action. It's not being sorry you got caught. It's not feelings of guilt. It's saying, God, I'm sick of living this way. I'm changing my mind because I don't want to keep going down this path. Now help me change direction. Repent and your sins will be wiped away. Then times of what? Refreshment will come. 
from the presence of the Lord. See, so many times we're like, God, bring the refreshment. God, refresh me. God, restore me. God, rejuvenate me. God, as the deer pants for the water, God, so my soul longs for you. God, would you just refresh me as I wait in your presence? And he's like, I can't. I can't. Because your sin is keeping you in a position that hinders my ability to refresh you. Again, God wants to bring refreshing. God can bring refreshing. God will bring refreshing. But it's only as we position ourselves in a place to first be refreshed. So I thought about this series. It's like, yeah, you know, we, we could have jumped straight into the presence of God. We could have we jumped straight into Isaiah 40, right? Like those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Those who wait upon the Lord, we could go straight to waiting upon the Lord. But what scripture tells us is that until we are positioned to receive refreshing, the refreshing can't come. If you have unrepented sin in your life, God cannot refresh you. If you would repent, then refreshment would come. God, help us. God, remove those things from our lives. God, Holy Spirit, shine a light on any part of us. My prayer for you this week, and I pray for you every week. My prayer for you this week is that if there is unrepentant sin in your life, the Holy Spirit and the conviction of the Spirit would be so strong to keep you awake at night. Like, Pastor, don't pray that for me. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Because then and only then will you be refreshed. Because I recognize, I recognize it, and I see it, and I talk to people we're tired. I get it. I understand. I empathize with it. I'm tired. It's not, just, it's not just people watching online. It's not just people at your workplace. It's not just people sitting in the pews. But listen, pastors, pastors are tired. A thousand pastors quit the ministry every month last year. A thousand said, no, this is too much. I'm done. A thousand said the weight of it is more than I can bear. I'm out. And so I get it. I'm there with you. But that's why we have to position ourselves. We can't be coming to God like refresh me with the weight of the unknown. God, refresh me, but what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? No. God, refresh me, but look at what's going on all around the world. God says, no, don't worry about that. Don't let that weigh you down. God, refresh me, but don't look in my closet because there's a bunch of sin in there that you wouldn't like. He's like, I know about it. And until you repent of it, I can't bring refreshing. We need to be refreshed, but we can't be refreshed until we position ourselves in a place that allows God to bring the refreshing. Amen. Stand with me this morning. Let's pray. And then we'll be dismissed. Lord, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your promise. God, I thank you that that is challenging as this is to preach and to hear and to digest and to put into practice. God, I thank you that the, the promise of your word is still an encouragement to us. That yes, it is challenging, but that's, Jesus, that's what you did. That's what you were, you were constantly causing people to take a step of faith. 
to take a step of action. I'm reminded even right now of the people that come to you, came to you and said, Jesus, I'll, I'll follow you wherever you go. But when your response was, birds have nests and foxes have dens, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Once your response was, listen, it's going to require something of you, they went away sad. Lord, the reward for following you and the reward for living for you is, is greater than any reward we could ever deserve. But Lord, it does require action. It does require a step of faith. It does require us to, to be active doers of your word and not just hearers only. And so, Lord, as we read your word today, we're encouraged that you want to bring refreshing and you, you can bring refreshing. And even, even the beginning of Isaiah 40 says, comfort, comfort my people. That you are a God that wants to comfort us. Jesus, you said you came to, to heal the brokenhearted. There is this, this active role of comfort and refreshing that, that is only found in the secret place with you. Lord, we thank you for that. We've tried to refresh ourselves and failed miserably. We've tried to allow the things of this world to bring refreshment to our souls, and, and it's only left us more dry. God, I thank you that there are rivers of living water that are only found in you. That if we would partake, we would never thirst again. But Lord, in order for us to be refreshed, we must first position ourselves in a place to be refreshed. And that is when we throw off the weight that we carry, the weight of the unknown or the weight of the, the world around us, the weight of our sin. God, if there's any of us in this place that, that have unrepentant, willful sin in our hearts and in our lives and Holy Spirit, bring it to their minds even right now. Those watching online, sitting in their living room by themselves, if there's unrepentant sin in their life, bring it to their attention right now so that we can do something about it. Because it's when we do something about it that you then bring the refreshment. Lord, we thank you for that promise. Pray that you give us the strength to do our part, to take our action. God, as we go, I pray, Lord, that you would do what only you can do this week. As we set our eyes and we set our focus, we set our minds upon you, taking every thought captive, setting our minds upon you, I pray that you would bring supernatural refreshment to your people this week. Supernatural comfort, supernatural peace, supernatural joy. God, do what only you can do as we look to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. Hey, listen, our prayer team is down here. If there's anything you need prayer for, you want somebody to agree with you in prayer, we would love to minister to you in that way. If not, feel free to be dismissed. We'll see you guys next Sunday. If there's somebody you know that needs to be here, bring them with you. Share the video. See you guys next week. At Dream City Omaha, we're all about helping each other do three things. Discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. Please check out our past sermon series or online discipleship classes. And don't forget to hit subscribe and the bell for notifications on all of our latest videos.